Welcome to another episode of Nigeria Daily from Daily Trust Online. I am Martia Umar. Today on the show, we will be talking about something some people keep under wraps. Very few people want to share because it's so personal. It is a hydra-headed monster called rape. I have a young woman on the show today who had an experience a long time ago in her life, molested as a child and raped as an adult. But today she's a mother of two and she's spending her time and resources trying to get people who are rape victims, especially women and girls, out of the victim position to a point of strength. Okay, um, I would like to make a bit of Wanda Ebe. Wanda Ebe, founder of Wanda Adu Foundation. Yeah, so um, I was raped when I was in university. But, but before that experience, I was molested as a child by household. I remember that the household made me give her oral sex until when I was about six years old, she was trying to get me to do that when it started morning and so I think my mom was a schooling mom so she would only be around during holidays. So we at that point we spent more time with our father who would also go to work After school we had to we were left alone in the nanny. Yeah so um she compelled me to give our office in our period. And hated it. So that fateful day, my mom was around, and then she was going to get me to do that. So I just pulled it to her and to report her, and she brought me with hot water like a, a full bowl of hot water. I didn't go to school for one year um, because I was taken to the hospital, hospitalized for some months. You know, it was a serious burn. And after that, I still didn't talk about it because she threatened me she was going to kill me or I was going to die even if she wasn't there, if I ever mentioned what she did to me. So, out of fear, I didn't talk about it. And then, when I got into the university, several sexual harassment on lecturers called, but those ones didn't lead to rape. I was raped by a medical doctor. After I surgery, I went for appendicitis in my third year. And... Uh, he came to school, he actually saw me at the hospital, came to school, followed up with me afterwards and acted like a caring caregiver. And I kind of trusted him because his brother was friends with my sister, so I felt he meant well for me until the sixth day he said he was, I was, I was due for checkup and then he said, don't come to the hospital, I'll take care of you, I'll come to school and I'll make it easy for you because, I mean, it was a government hospital. And we all know what it's like to go to government in Nigeria. You go there in the morning and you're not, nobody attends to you early enough because of the crowd you meet there. So I really was excited at that kind gesture. And so when he came to school, I also felt that we were driving to the hospital to have it exactly done. But he didn't drive to the hospital. And I remember asking where he was headed for and he said he was on call that day and the hospital was choked. So there was no way to go there. Uh, he was going to drive to the house. And so he did, and then he wasn't even any checkup. He raped me. And that was tough for me because I was afraid. I didn't know what to do. Huh. I didn't know anything. I didn't know whether to report. I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't tell my parents because I also feared that they would blame me that it happened in his house. How did I get this house? You know, all of that. So I just was so, burning. Till the second fear. one happened, did you ever tell your parents? that you were raped or you were being molested by the house help or the housekeeper? I was still living in fear of if I ever talked about it, I was going to die. Oh. So I didn't talk about it until I was 32. That was when I you opened up. up. 
Yes, that's when I opened up. I ended up in a marriage. So it was after that separation that, you know, I think I was just, I was depressed. Everything, so many negative emotions running through me. Like, am I going to be abused all my life from molestation to rape or denounce domestic violence? Like, what is going on? Is there something wrong with me? So I finally opened up to someone about it and I didn't die. So when that happened, I was broken. I was completely broken. And then when I talked about it, it gave me a huge relief when I talked about it. I was happy that I let out something that had been eating me up for so many years. And then nothing happened to me. And then I, I had the courage. I took the courage to go home to talk about it. I put it on a limit of forgiveness and beat on it for a very long time. And it's something I'm telling that it helped me be free somehow. So he was also listening and then I told him about the molestation experienced by Danny who was his relative. You know, and that made me feel better. My dad passed out, so I couldn't see more information. Once I told him to say something, he that he collapsed. And then when he came back, I, I didn't tell him about the rape again. I just knew that it was too much for him to take. Mm. So, but I was happy I told him the first one. And then I came back to Abuja to continue my work. You know. And then my journey through healing, I discovered that talking about it really helped me feel better and took a lot of burden off my heart. Mm. And it made me feel free. And the more I talked about it, the more I recovered from the trauma. And then people also started opening up to me about it. And then instead of, you know, sharing my story in tears, I gathered strength. I drew strength from people who looked up to me and would even open up to me. And and that was what, you know, like, kept me going. And then the NGO idea came up. Like, if I can feel this free, if, if, if I can be free from bitterness and fear and all of that from just opening up and sharing my story with the world, then every woman needs to know this. Every girl, every child who has been abused needs to do the same thing I have done through the healing journey. That was a rape victim and she shared her experience with us. We will be going on a break, but we'll return in a bit. Just stay with us. It's enlightening. It's incisive. It's analytical. It's entertaining. It's educating. It's the bearing. A podcast from Daily Trust addressing issues that have direct bearing in your life. Join us every week on www.dailytrust.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash daily trust. On Twitter at twitter.com forward slash daily trust. And on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash daily trust. To listen in, join us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. You're still listening to Nigeria Daily. Welcome back to the show. And today we're discussing the rate of rape cases reported daily in recent times and has led to some people describing the situation as a pandemic within a pandemic. Amnesty International has revealed that 11,200 rape cases were reported in Nigeria. And this in one year, including children raped to death by rapists. So this means that in a month, almost 1,000 girls are raped. This also means that it could happen to someone close to you. Why does this keep increasing? Belikisa Ahmed speaks with a child rights activist, Maryam Baba Muhammad. If the court makes it easy, mm. mostly you'll see that we have cases, a rape case is going to last almost for a lifetime. Mm. You spend five years pursuing a case. 
You spent three years pursuing a rape case. You spent seven years pursuing one rape case. I think we need to accelerate the hearings of rape cases so that justice will be brought early and these girls or boys will continue their life easily. I'll tell you of uh, major victims. The major victims I personally was in touch with, one was a victim that was raped by her father. Hmm. in Bauchi State. So uh, he kept threatening her because whenever he goes to her room, he goes with a knife. Hmm. So she was so terrified. But the mother, he has already abused the mother and the mother cannot do anything. So the girl had to run out of the house 12 midnight, I think 12 to 1 a.m. Hmm. So when she ran out of the house, she kept crying on the street and somebody found her. We were called and then we had to even take her out of the state. So we filed a case with the father and then we had to take her. We kept the girl for a year in our custody. One, her mental state, even when she's describing the rape act and everything, how he raped her severally. And at first she was even pregnant, but later she even lost the pregnancy because of detention and everything. Hmm. She was being impregnated by her father. Wow. So like she is so terrified, we had to take her and keep her at a safe space. That was why we keep emphasizing for safe space centers where you can keep victims, they can run, you know, they can call you. That was a child rights activist, Maryam Baba Muhammad. Why does it take too long for victims of rape to get justice in Nigeria? I put this question to a human rights lawyer, Barista Mutiu. Okay, um, so there were several factors. Uh, one major factor is the fact that um, uh, one of the first responders who are the police are not properly trained when it comes to um, documenting rape cases and then providing the platform to ensure that the victims get um, um, justice. The police will always complain of funding, funding, funding. Okay. And when you have people come to report to the police, the police will ask for all kind of financial um, support from the victim or from the victim's family. Um, I've experienced instances where the police will say, oh, they do not have money to buy case files. So the family of the victim should provide. When they need to go arrest the culprit, they will also request for money. When they need to charge the culprit to court, they will ask for money. So most families are frustrated. And in each of these phases, they just stay away and decide not to pursue their matters again. Um, another situation is you have um families of culprits now putting so much pressure on the families of the victim or on the police themselves to ensure that matters like that are settled with payment of compensation. And you even have cases where the police themselves are the ones now facilitating that kind of settlement, which as we speak now under the VAP law or the VAP Act is even an offense. So most police men do not even know that that in itself um, is an offense. Um, you also have the issue of um, taking a very long time in our courts. Um, after report to the police, before the matter is charged to court, after the, matters, uh, the matter is charged to court, before the matter is listed, uh, before the matter is called, that also takes a very long time because of the delay we have in our justice system. Mm. Yes. So some victims just get frustrated. They come to court again and again. They're invited to the police station again and again. And then they get tired of the whole scene without really seeing justice coming forth. 
So the number of factors, and these are just some of the factors uh, that affect that. I think another very important one I must mention is on the part of the victims themselves. Okay. Uh, victims are not properly educated on how to ensure that they keep evidence. For instance, if a vi victim is, is, is raped, um, they're not expected to take their bath immediately. Okay. Yeah, because the semen of the culprit, where it's a man now, um, is expected to be taken and then forensic um, um, investigation carried out because that will also form part of the evidence to be used in court. So if there is no forensic evidence at the time of investigation, it also becomes very difficult to also prove cases of rape in courts. So with yes. that evidence now, does that mean that we'll get a speedy justice for the victim? Evidence, no, no, not, not necessarily speedy, but there's then a higher chance of ensuring that the culprit is convicted you know, no matter how long if, it takes, right? No, yes, no matter how long it but takes. But we still because have the problem of uh, the, the court process, a long due process to make sure that justice is served. Exactly, exactly. That's a major, major problem. That was Barrister Mutiu Akinsoya, a human rights lawyer. Experience and stories of rape have been shared on the show today, but there are few of many stories. If we want to clear the society of this menace, we must speak up and also support the victims of rape and most importantly, help them get justice. And with that, we've come to the end of this episode of Nigeria Daily. Thank you so much for listening. To everyone whose voices we heard on the show, we want to say a big thank you. Nigeria Daily is a Daily Trust production. It is open for sponsorship and advert placement. You can download this and other episodes on dailytrust.com and on bassroute.com. You can also listen on Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, and on NAS FM 89.9, Yola. If you have questions or comments or intend to sponsor an episode of Nigeria Daily, send us a message via WhatsApp on 091-3893-3390. Thank you for listening. I am Martia Umar. Bye for now. <music>